Welcome to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, where we explore God's Word, not simply to learn more about the Bible, but to consider how to apply its wisdom. I'm your host, Svea Mary, and each week I'm joined by talented women from our congregation. We invite you to imagine yourself sitting here with us, enjoying a great discussion as friends about God and how His Word helps us take our next steps to become the women God intends for us to be. Today, we're going to be looking at a couple of pretty familiar but wonderful passages, including the parable of the Good Samaritan. These are familiar enough that perhaps even if you've never read the Bible before, you've likely heard the term Good Samaritan, or you're familiar with things like Good Samaritan laws that legally protect people who help in emergency situations. But we're going to see that today's passages go way beyond just protecting people. These are key passages for understanding what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And I'm so pleased that joining me today to cover these great passages is Angie Pankratz. Welcome, Angie. Thank you. It's great to be back, Svea. Yeah, I'm delighted to be doing this with you again. Um, Today, we get to look at these two stories in Luke, specifically Luke 10, verses 25 through 42. And uh, and the two stories we're going to be exploring are the Good Samaritan parable, or more broadly speaking, the story about this lawyer who asked Jesus an important question that inspired this parable. And then after that, we're going to look at the story of Mary and Martha when they invited Jesus into their home. Um, So Angie, I have to ask you, what is it about these two stories that helps us to see what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? Wow, good question. You know, there are so many interesting characters in this passage. And unfortunately, I relate to, I feel like, all of the bad ones, like all the ones that don't make the right decision. And even though this is such a familiar passage to me, every time I read it, I feel convicted and moved that if I truly love the Lord with my heart, soul, and mind, then I will naturally run to the messes or just learn to love my neighbor as myself. Mm. And I think that this expert in the law was figuring that out, or at least he was trying to. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, good answer. Well, with that filter, as we go through this, let's hang on to that idea of what do we see here that helps us look at being a fully devoted follower. So jumping in at uh, verse 25 of chapter 10, um, we won't necessarily read things word for word, but Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we can just kind of set the stage here. It starts us off with this lawyer who -hmm. comes to Jesus to put him to the test, it says. Right. We're told right away that he's trying to test Jesus. And so he asks him a question and then Jesus responds with a question and he gets it word for word correct. Mm. And so I think what we understand is knowing that he was brought up in the Jewish faith. So he's probably known this answer like verbatim since he was young. He knew that in order to receive eternal life, he needed to love the Lord his God with all of his heart, soul, strength and mind mm-hmm. and secondly to love the neighbor as himself yeah well and and this lawyer you know i think it helps us to understand that the lawyer wasn't a lawyer in the same modern day sense that we might think of a, a, an attorney today but rather he was someone who dedicated his life to studying the mm-hmm. mosaic law mm-hmm. all 613 of them <laughs> to wow. see how it it applies to the life of the jews of his day how should they live out their lives according to their laws and, uh, and the answer is, is a good one, that basically they can boil it all down to love God 
and love your neighbor. Right. Now, do you think, Savea, that it's possible to know God's word and yet not truly be on the right path, Mm. on the path of eternal life. Mm -hmm. Because that's a scary thought, I think, for a lot of us, or at least for me. I feel convicted about that, like, wow. Because I have grown up in the church. I grew up in Awanas. I know verbatim so many verses and even definitions. And yet, sometimes I feel like my heart is truly not there on certain Mm -hmm. days, Mm -hmm. sadly. Yeah, well, and I think as we explore the story, that might be exactly what we see of this lawyer. He was an expert in God's word in in the Old Testament Mm -hmm. that we have now. Uh, He knew what was in it. He had studied even what the implications were of it. Uh, But as this story is going to show, he wasn't really ready to let it completely take hold of his life. Right. And to act on it. Right. I um, I look at these questions that he's asking, and he's right away saying, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And it reminds me of like asking a teacher, what's the bare minimum I need to do to pass this class? Mm-hmm. Or how do I run the marathon? Or how do I get to the end and just get the medal? I don't really care about the journey. I just want to make sure that I'm at the right place at the end. And so you can already see that his heart isn't really in the right place. Like, Lord, how can I know you more? How can I understand who God is? Mm-hmm. But it's like, I just want to make sure that I'm not burning in flames at the end of my life. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think you're right on. And the next paragraph furthers that idea even more. Verse 29, look what it says right there. But he, desiring to justify Mm. himself, says to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Remember, he's just gotten the gold star for giving the good answer of, of love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. But now he's got this little asterisk. Well, who is my neighbor? Right. And I think he's also really asking, who is my non-neighbor? Exactly. Aren't we all so good about reaching out to those who we know, those who we love, those who will love us back? But I think he knows in his mind that maybe he's been missing the mark in some ways. Or maybe he wants to, as he says, justify himself to make sure that he's reaching out and loving the right people. Mm -hmm. And of course, Jesus goes on to explain the who his neighbor really is. Yeah. Well, I like how he asks this question and Jesus doesn't answer him. He just kind of lets the question hang there in midair mm-hmm. and instead starts off with a story. And he tells a story about a man who is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and is attacked by robbers and left, as uh, verse 30 says, left half dead. I'm not exactly sure what it means to be half dead. That seems like you're either alive or you're dead. <laughs> Sounds but pretty gruesome. He's half dead. The implication here is that he was probably unconscious and, mm-hmm. and maybe uh, quite uh, quite battered. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, so the, the story is set up that way. Verse 31 says, Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Okay, so he sees him. And he specifically goes out of his way to avoid him. So that says a lot, right? It's not like he just didn't even notice him. He noticed him and then he went out of his way. He made an inconvenient move to make sure that he was not connected or anyone would see that he wasn't helping this person. Mm -hmm. And this is someone who's probably very upstanding person, right? Mm -hmm. Well-respected religious person. A priest coming from Jerusalem probably was just at the temple 
Um, at the very least, like you said, he's he's a respected person who has seen this this man lying mm-hmm. there half dead, mm-hmm. and uh, and goes to the other side. I, I found it interesting that some of the scholars pointed out that maybe what was going through his head was one of the laws that they had was that if a priest were to touch a dead body, he could not serve in the temple for seven more days. He'd have to go through kind of a ritual cleansing process to be wow. considered clean again. So maybe there's some justified excuses there, right? It could have been what was going through his head. <laughs> like if, if I if I stop to check on this guy right now, it's going to mean that I have to clear my calendar for the whole next week and I've got an important business to do in the temple and and uh and so maybe he was thinking about that or or to even put a righteous quote-unquote spin on it he might have been thinking if I do this it's going to eliminate my possibility of serving God Mm. in the role that I have right now so now, he, he may have easily justified himself mm-hmm. in, in not stopping to take care of this, this poor man. But I think Jesus crushes that perspective of thinking that he was justified in any way doing this because he is using him as a really poor example of somebody who is loving his neighbor. Mm-hmm. And then the next example continues that track. Right. When the next person who comes along is a Levite, he also sees the poor man laying there and also passes by on the other side. Sad. Yeah. <laughs> Another religious person who's ignoring the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he too would have had the same issues that the priest had. If he touched mm-hmm. the body, he would have been unclean and mm-hmm. not able to serve in the temple or or practice some of the other things that he would have done in his role as a Levite. But the the point is clear that these were two religious people who should have been expected to do the kind and the loving thing, but both uh, went out of their way to to not. So do you think at this point, this story is pretty shocking? I mean, it's pretty astounding that Jesus is using this example and putting down two upstanding religious figures in their culture who are not doing what they should be doing, who are missing the mark. Do you think that's pretty edgy of Jesus to do that? I'm sure he was pushing buttons Mm -hmm. a little bit at the same time. Think of who he's telling the story to. This this lawyer, this this expert in the law, I don't know, maybe he had a little bit of uh, fiendish delight in in watching Jesus tweak some of the, the priests and the Levites here. And what he's probably expecting at this point is that Jesus uh, is going to say, but, you know, the good lawyer like then, you. Then or, comes a good expert in the law. Or, or at least, you know, but then the, the everyday Joe Jew who's going to come down the road next is going to be the hero of the story. Um, that's almost certainly what he's expecting to hear. So Certainly when, not a Samaritan. No, because there really was no such thing as a good Samaritan during this time. That right? is not a phrase that existed prior <laughs> to this story. It rolls off our lips very easily because so many are familiar familiar with this passage. But no, the Samaritans were the most hated group mm. of people to the Jews. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even want to try to give a modern day equivalent, but right. but if you think in your own mind of the the category of people whether that's a race or a political affiliation or or a a style of of lifestyle choices, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, whatever is the group of people that just kind of makes your hair stand up on end. Who you think could show no love, Mm -hmm. have no love in them. Mm -hmm. And then here he is inconveniencing himself and doing 
above and beyond what would even be considered normal to help mm-hmm. this person and is sets such a high example of what it means to truly love our neighbors. Yeah. And, uh, you know, without getting lost in some of those details, that's Jesus's point is that the way that this shocking character, the Samaritan treated the man who had such need, he was the one who showed love for neighbor in the way that upholds what we're all supposed to do as fully devoted followers of Jesus. Right. I think, too, part of this is like, I think, oh, man, I need to do this more. Like, this needs to just be something that I muster up inside of me. I need to be more aware. I need to make sure I'm not moving to the wrong side of the road and just, you know, being more aware and just kind of doing this type of thing. But I think this is a heart issue. And Mm -hmm. I think that as we, or at least I've learned for myself, that I understand that at one time, I was the wounded person on the side of the road, that Christ inconvenienced himself to Mm. rush to my rescue, then that should change my heart to see those who are, um, could inconvenience me to love them as Christ has loved me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That it's not just that we say we have faith, but that because of our faith, that it moves us to the messes and moves us to love others. Yeah. You know, Angie, earlier you said something, um, kind of challenging, but but right on. Um, both you and I grew up mm-hmm. with Christian foundations. Uh, both you and I have had the joy of spending years in Bible study and, uh, and even years now teaching the Bible together. Um, but your point that one can know the Bible well mm-hmm. and yet not apply it, I think is something worth all of us taking a little bit of time to think about. Right. It's not just enough to know the truth. I think we have to walk in it. It's part of the fruit of a healthy tree that's growing Mm -hmm. and abiding in Christ. And James talks a lot about this, that it's not just that we um, have the the wisdom and the knowledge, but that we have to walk in it. And uh, there's a lot of verses also in John that um, Christ calls us to love one another as he has loved us. And by this, that everyone will know that we are his disciples Mm -hmm. so that when we love others, it is not only beneficial to those that we are loving, but also it's a testimony. And I think the church could never be in a season where we need to be encouraged of that as much as we are now just Mm -hmm. to love others and to reach out as Christ has. And sometimes that makes it really uncomfortable for us. It can inconvenience us and it can cost us. I mean, this man had to give up even a portion of his money to take care of this person. But it's such an astounding testimony that, like you say, people who aren't even believers know about the Good Samaritan. So it's pretty profound impact that it can have on the world. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it would be a hard question for all of us to ask when the verse you just pointed out about how we'll be known by our love. If we ask ourselves, would people know that I'm a Jesus follower simply on how I love Mm -hmm. my neighbor? Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Whether it's a next door neighbor or Mm -hmm. any person that I come Mm -hmm. across, even if I'm coming across a stranger who clearly has need, what mm-hmm. does my heart compel me to my, to do? Does my heart mm-hmm. say, oh, no, today's a busy day. I've got to get to, mm-hmm. you know, even get to church exactly. <laughs> like the priest. Yep. Or, or do I see someone in need and my heart breaks for them mm-hmm. and I see God has loved me. I can then in turn give that love to someone else. Right. We're really without excuse mm-hmm. as the expert of the law found himself. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I want to turn to the next story that we're going to look at. And at first glance, there may not seem to be a whole lot that connects the Good Samaritan mm-hmm. story with what we're going to see next about Jesus visiting Mary and Martha. Uh, but actually, I think they're really quite well connected because of what we've just looked at is all about the importance of the way that we love our neighbor. Right. This next story reminds us of the first thing that the lawyer correctly said, that we are to love the Lord our God mm-hmm. with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. That's so foundational. Mm-hmm. So the first was the love your neighbor story. Now Luke gives us a love God mm-hmm. story. And how to do that well. Because I think sometimes we may think that we are loving others. Like, oh, it's just my love of others. I'm serving them. I'm just, I don't have time to worship the Lord right now. And so maybe that's our excuse. But I think deep down, we find that maybe we're also serving ourselves and exalting ourselves in that service to others. And it's really not loving others or loving the Lord. It's really exalting ourselves, which is where I think Martha found herself. Yeah. Um, maybe uh, let's just look at this. these verses. They're a little less familiar than the Good Samaritan story. Mm-hmm. Um, So I'm just going to briefly read some of these, starting in verse 38. So now as they were on their way, and remember this is coming right after this, Jesus is going um, with this crowd that just heard this story, and they Mm -hmm. enter a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And first of all, I just think that's kind of beautiful that Jesus stopped to go into Martha's house. Right. This is the beginning of a really sweet friendship between really all four of them, when you consider Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus. And it's cool that it all began here with Martha opening up her home. Mm -hmm. So before we throw her under the bus, let's give her some credit here, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And I wish we had a little (laughs) bit more backstory of Mary and Martha and Lazarus Mm -hmm. and and the circumstances that led these three siblings to live together mm-hmm. um, and that kind of thing. But, uh, but, but a sweet thing. So Jesus entered her house and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me mm. to serve alone? Tell her to help me. So one thing I think that's kind of funny is I've always thought that you had to choose. You had to either be like a Martha or a Mary and that, you know, there's something in me that always felt bad for Martha because here she is working hard. And isn't there a piece of us that just feels like, oh, come on, like, Lord, give her credit that she's serving so well. Mm -hmm. But really, the Lord responds because she is whining. And not only is she whining, but she says, Lord, don't you care? Mm -hmm. And I mean, here is the Lord, you know, in her home, and she is accusing him of not caring about her or what she is doing. And so then he responds and he's like, well, actually, what Mary is doing is better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to sit there and absorb Mm -hmm. every word that he has to say. Um, So I don't think we can say that necessarily it's wrong, her preparations were wrong, or um, even her service was wrong. But maybe, again, it was about her heart. And I think the Lord knew her heart and knew that maybe she was wanting some justifications, some exalting, maybe self-exalting going on. And the Lord was actually just trying to correct that and gently rebuke her. It was a cool um, definition we just heard last week in church about rebuking, how we always think of it as such a bad term, like mm-hmm. we don't want to be rebuked. But really, if somebody is on the wrong path, mm-hmm. we're just helping reroute them, get mm-hmm. them on the right path. And don't we all want to be on the right path? And I think that's what the Lord was doing for Martha, is just helping her understand what it means to truly love the Lord first. Yeah. And I and I 
want to emphasize again, I don't think that what she was rebuked for was serving. Right. It wasn't purely that Mary was doing the right thing, just Mm -hmm. ignoring everything else only Mm -hmm. to focus on God, although that was clearly completely acceptable Mm -hmm. with him here. But um, but it was Martha's attitude mm-hmm. in this this challenging Jesus. You know, don't you care that my sister's not in here? Right. And uh, and specifically that you know she, Martha just wanted help with her own agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's helpful to see because sometimes the story is is uh, maybe beaten over the head with women mm-hmm. on this whole idea of what? How are you acting? Are you a Mary or a Martha? Are right. you serving? Um, enough or too much or in the right way? Are you spending enough time with God? And that Um, may not have anything to do with it at all because it's really about her heart and her attitude. Yeah, I think uh, Mm -hmm. this this story definitely is not one that just applies to the women Mm -hmm. (laughs) that read Mm -hmm. the Bible. This is this is a story that applies to all Mm -hmm. of us as we consider what is my heart before Jesus? Because let's face it, the Lord honors hardworking women or Mm -hmm. hardworking anyone. I mean, basically, he does honor that. And that whatever we do in word or deed, that we do it is unto him. And it took hardworking people to build the temple. I mean, the Lord is given us gifts and talents. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that we're supposed to just always be sitting, always be resting, always be praying. I mean, we do have a God who honors those who use the gifts that he's given them. So Absolutely. I don't want to say that. We've already seen we're supposed to love the Lord with all of our strength. Right. And all of our exactly. soul, all of our might, all of these things together. In acting out that. Yeah. So Mary and Martha were both set up to do the right thing, mm-hmm. but the attitude was key there. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love how he says, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. And there have been times when I feel like I can never do enough. Like even if it's good things like preparing for a podcast mm-hmm. or serving my kids or you know, making a meal or preparing for holidays, whatever it is, it's just like, oh, I can keep on keeping on. And then I get this little twinge of shift where I go from, oh, it's such a joy to serve others to now I'm resentful that I'm having to do this. Mm. <laughs> and so I think that's where Mar- Martha was at. And um, there, there is a time to just pause and to remember that Sometimes the most beneficial thing that we can do is to sit with the Lord Mm -hmm. and to seek him. And we serve a God who provides for us in every way. And so sometimes I only think of that as resources, but we also need to think of time. And we serve a God who has set the sun still Mm -hmm. to accomplish his will. And so I have had to remember that at times to think, Lord, I don't know how it's all going to get done, but I can trust you Mm -hmm. and I can trust you to obey you. And that you will somehow either make it not important or that you will somehow allow it to get accomplished. Mm-hmm. And it almost always happens. But it's a step of faith sometimes yeah. to do that. Yeah, that's true. Well, if we were going to land the plane here and tie these two things together, I'd uh, I'd suggest we go back to the first question that we started with. And, and what is it that we see here that helps us to be a fully devoted follower mm. of Jesus? And and I, I think the, the obvious answer is what the lawyer did get right, and that is that he we He answered are the questions right. Love the love Lord God. your God. Mm-hmm. Love right. God and love our neighbor. So easy. It rolls off our lips so easily. <laughs> <laughs> but just putting it into practice can be something else. But 
Yeah. I'm going to try to do that more. So making sure we're not uh, hair triggered to try to justify ourselves mm-hmm. in our own superior knowledge, mm-hmm. like the lawyer, or to mm-hmm. limit what God might expect of us, like he was wanting to mm-hmm. do, or to justify our actions like Mary, like uh, Martha was wanting to do, mm-hmm. and, uh, and to feel grumbly or resentful at uh, what we think we're doing right when we're missing the whole point of, of loving God. But... Uh, but to just step back and ask ourselves as a Jesus follower, am I loving God with everything that I am mm. today? And am I loving others mm-hmm. because of that love? Right. Mm. And not just the ones that we know and love and who will love us in return, but even reaching out beyond our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, let me pray for us. Thanks. Dear Father, we thank you for your word and for what we see in it, what we can learn about not just knowing about you, but loving you and loving the people that you put in our path. Lord, I ask you to give us soft hearts to see how you want to work in our own lives with this. Um, Help us have eyes that are open to see the people lying in the road, so to speak, in front of us, that we would have a heart of compassion for them, and, uh, and that you would give us the indication when it's the right thing just to love them and care for them uh, like a neighbor. And Lord, also give us the eyes to see when we should be diligent in our work and when are those times when we just need to be with you and to love you. Um, Lord, we know you want both of those things. So it's a prayer that we can pray with complete confidence that you will answer it in, uh, in full force because mm-hmm. you want us to be women who love you and love others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, a production of Autumn Ridge Church. We appreciate the technical assistance provided by Josiah Novinger, Ian Benoit, Robert Nash, and others from our wonderful staff. We'd love to hear your comments or questions on this or any other episode, and you could reach us at women at autumnridgechurch.org.